Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is the Science Fiction Movie Podcast. We had together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. It's that simple. This episode is a Patreon vote winner because every month on patreon.com slash TV, our $5 and up patrons get to vote on a selection. They get to vote between four movies and the winner of the votes that we're doing here is Westworld. Uh, I think it was a 70s vote, but I can't... Yeah, what the hell kind of vote was this? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Uh, we, we put this one off a little bit because we were trying to get through all those Godzilla and King Kong movies. So, but mm. here we are. We're, <laughs> we're here to talk about Westworld. Uh, and it is worth mentioning that me and Connor did talk about this a, a few years ago. But I think what's interesting here about this now compared to that conversation is that when we talked about the Westworld movie... We did that after season one of the show, and before oh, so you're pretty hyped on yeah. the Westworld show. So most of that was like, this is just not as good as the show. What the hell? And now we're in a world where season three has very much dampened the enthusiasm <laughs> of the show. Would you say it's curbed? It has curbed my enthusiasm. Yes, which is on brand HBO. for HBO. It's on brand for HBO. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, so. Yes, we'll we'll talk about Westworld. Michael Crichton's uh, not only the writer of this, but he is also the director. Um, and there will be some points that I'll definitely make again. Uh, in that this is just a plot of Jurassic Park, but with robots instead of dinosaurs. Uh, it being the most notable one. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's a prototype for Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park, I mean, not to spoil thoughts on this, but Jurassic Park is the better movie. This, let's get that out in the open. Up front. Jurassic Park's better. Well, we we did review that. We so. did. Uh, and also, other things that this also had a part in inspiring, if not the concepts of the things, at least how things were done. So let's just also say, The Terminator, better movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, we also reviewed that and gave yes. it a 10. <laughs> uh, Halloween, better movie. Not a, not a sci-fi movie, obviously, but I did give that a 10 on Screams After Midnight. It's just, just to uh, make that point clear. Uh, I have not uh, obviously reviewed that, but I would also probably give it a 10. Yeah. Well, you're a sensible, you're a sensible woman. Like, that's, that's, that's just... Thanks. <laughs> I'm trying to see if he directed anything else, but I'm having a hard time with the IMDb app. <laughs> having a hard time. Are you, I mean, is, the, is it the app or is it the three glasses of gin you've had before we started recording? What? what, what? Oh, dare you. <laughs> I have had some gin, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, he directed Coma, The Great Train Robbery, and a couple others that I've not seen. This is uncredited for the director for the 13th Warrior. Uh, for reshoots, yeah. Okay. So you do know. You're familiar. Oh, no. It just it says on IMDb reshoots on credit. Oh, okay. Uh, well, The 13th Warrior is based off of a, a book that he did write. Um, Eaters of the Dead, it's called. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, naturally. And Coma, I've seen. I, I think I've seen The Great Train Robbery. Just to clarify. Uh, Coma is quite good. It's not the, it's not the Great Train Robbery. It's, it, the title of the thing is The First Great Train Robbery, because The Great Train Robbery is actually a really old thing. Well, maybe that's the thing I'm thinking of. That predates Michael Crichton, probably. I mean, maybe not. I mean, Michael Crichton was already whatever age he was, but uh, you know, Great Train Robbery is like 1910? 
1920, something like that. It's like, yeah, I mean, I think he died early 2000, so... Yeah. yeah. Yes, I was born in 42, yeah, so it still predates him, it still predates him. Uh, that wasn't a silly statement. Um, well, Coma I have seen, and I think that is a pretty decent film, mm. but um, shares some of the complaints that I have about this film, directing-wise. Hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously he's largely known for being a writer of, of books, but also writing screenplays uh, for various movies. Uh, and this is not the first Michael Crichton uh, story that we've encountered, although in the, the case of... Uh, oh, God, what was it called? The one we did about the the guy getting the uh, the transplant or the implant. Uh, Terminal Man? Terminal Man, yes, that was Crichton, right? Yeah, yes. he wrote that. He wrote that. Mm-hmm. Was that based on a he book? He wrote that, and it's not based on the book. Not based on the book. So he just, he just wrote the screenplay. He just wrote that as a straight movie. Well, much like this. This is just a straight movie. Yes. Uh, where's Jurassic Wait, Park? He wrote I'm a book. I'm pretty sure that's right. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. Oh, no, 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 no. Terrible Man's a novel. It says novel next to it. On here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was wrong. All right, just, just... I've read most... I... I'm not like a big reader, but I have read most <laughs> of uh, Michael Crichton's works. Oh, he also did the Andromeda Strain novel, which obviously we also, uh, also read. Yeah. So. And we will do eventually Timeline. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a good movie. Um, I'll take your word for it. Uh, so... We did Sphere. Sphere was written by Michael Crichton. A fantastic film from, what, like 1995 or something. Uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> maybe later i'm pretty sure it was like 98 but i'm more caught up on the the fantastic part of that sentence fantastic movie starring queen latifah as the titular sphere <laughs> <laughs> that's not nice tara this is so good. hey she's queen love her she's queen uh, queen latifah she has a great talk show <laughs> I will take your word for it. Uh, so, yeah, it's Michael Crichton's story. Um, has elements of things that he would do again later, with, like I can say, Jurassic Park. And it's funny because obviously we did a 70s month. In fact, we did two 70s months, and we'll probably do a, a, another 70s month at some point. And it was kind of fun. 70s were good for sci fi. Well, I, I would say they were interesting for sci fi because I think 80s is arguably more consistently like great. But. I think a lot of those seventies months was discovering kind of the the stuff that we didn't see. You know, it was you know, we, yeah, we okay, we threw in Clockwork Orange, and obviously we've we've looked at a couple of other big ones, but a lot of it was discovering these yeah. weird, like experimental films that are not amazing but interesting and kind of good, but a bit a bit mm-hmm. maybe off from being special. There's a lot of like genre beginning films, and I think I think Westworld falls into that category in a lot of ways. I- Absolutely. It feels like a prototype for a lot of other things that would improve upon what it is, and not just itself, because obviously, I mean, as much as I do think season three of Westworld has really dampened my enthusiasm for that show, season... season I never watched the last two episodes. Season, I'll get to it eventually. Season one of Westworld was phenomenal, and I think did do, explore the themes of what the movie kind of teases or introduces a lot better than the movie does, and that's mm-hmm. fair, and I, I think that's fine. Uh, but uh, because I'm not as high on it right now, uh, I probably won't compare it to the show as much. <laughs> so, for the better, right? Perhaps. I think. I mean, I think the movie explores more of what if we had this park that something goes wrong and the park starts attacking people, 
Whereas the show is about what does, what do the people who go to this park, like, what does it mean about them? Yeah. Like, what does it say about humanity that we need a park like this? And, and equally, uh, you know, artificial life becoming like alive in real life. Yeah. 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 Whereas, cause I, Especially in seasons two and three. Yeah. Cause in this movie, like, I wouldn't even necessarily say the robots come alive. It's just, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just, it's like, you could argue they're just glitching <laughs> more than they mm-hmm. are. You know. Actually, I, th- I thought this was interesting, but, um, so they describe what happens to the robots as a bit like a, like a human virus. Like it starts somewhere in like one of the parks and then it starts to spread so that other robots or robots, as they say, are affected, which is a lot like a computer virus. But the actual, like, first computer virus was 1971, so a couple years before the film. Mm -hmm. And it was never called a virus because it only affected, like, one computer at a time. Uh, And um, there was no, yeah, there was no internet to spread (laughs) from computer to computer. So the first actual, like, virus where it was called a virus didn't occur until 1983. But this here, like the way it's described, is like a computer virus. That's so it. it's a little pioneering in that way. Essentially, it raises an interesting question. Was there some influence in what they called it? Or is this just an argument for, no, it's obvious we got to the point and that's what we named it because you would compare it to a human virus and that's why it's got mm-hmm. that name. So the reason, so what I'm saying is maybe michael creighton in this movie got to the same conclusion that some people later on when they actually had a computer virus they got to the same conclusion because it was a natural path of thought to get to uh Mm -hmm. either way it's interesting oh i think so and you know a lot of his themes um are very similar throughout different types of work he's done which is basically just because science says we can doesn't mean we should which is like a direct line from Jurassic Park also. You were too preoccupied whether or not you could. You never stopped to think whether or not you should. Right. Thank you, <laughs> Mr. Malcolm. Um, <laughs> 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 right. So, I mean, I think because of that, like, uh, Michael Crichton, like, just, I mean, he, he he's, he's a man with a science background, with the medical science background. So, I think a lot of the themes that he has throughout his different written works are very similar because he just has that foresight. He's able to, you know, link um, those, like, you know, we, it was inevitable that we would have some sort of virus for artificial intelligence or not artificial intelligence, but like um, for computers, because that's something that we know. So it'll be, you know, it, it was inevitable anyway. So he he sort of like, I don't want to say he, he deserves credit for the computer virus because he doesn't, but like it is sort of the first example in film or in any written works. Yeah, that's interesting. That. Well, right. mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, if we start with the robots in the park, uh, and I should say parks technically, because it is Delos, which is the company that did keep that name for the show, but... Uh, they have three worlds. They have Westworld, they have Medieval World, and they have Roman World, I believe, is the, the three in the movie. Uh, and we do get glimpses of the other ones uh, here or there. Obviously, it focuses mainly on Westworld, because that's where our main character... And we'll, we'll talk about the characters separately. Um, I think that's largely where I think the film 
falls a little flat overall, and maybe why it doesn't have quite the uh, the the oomph that it otherwise could. But mm-hmm. yeah, the robots are interesting. So they have this thing where they like they've got a tell. You can tell you know which ones are the robots and which ones aren't. And this is like a really weird thing for me. Like, I get it from a writing perspective. So okay, they have to have some sort of tell so that people can people can figure out who they are. The choice of what the tell is though is bizarre. Like the hand is hard to replicate. That's the part that they couldn't like fake was the hand. The palm of a hand was this thing they couldn't nail. You can do eyeballs, you can do Here, tongues. Here's where I think that stemmed from. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when I was in school, before I went and pursued science, I was uh, trying to do art. Sure, and sure. people who, uh, who, who draw and paint, like hands are a very difficult thing to master. And it, it is often a tell of whether or not they're a good artist. So oh, I think okay. that's where that comes from. Okay, I like that. I like that explanation. But I will say this is both realistic and amusing to me that the scientists of Westworld made sure the the cocks and the vaginas were on on you know on par, like perfect before well, we the know hands. What those like. <laughs> <laughs> before the hands were perfected, all right. I think there's yeah, I think there's more like artistic license when it comes to those <laughs> <laughs> than with hands. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Excuse me. <laughs> I just imagine someone sculpting one of the one of the genitalia, and like they sort of like slip, and it ends up really like bent, and like, well, I'll do. He's, he's got a weird one. It's fine. This is his will be weird and bent. Just use any ink blot. <laughs> his will just veer very well to the right, and that'll just be his kit, <laughs> his dick. It's fine. We'll just go with that. <laughs> works <laughs> oh dear uh which i mean obviously we we know they have sex with the robots that's definitely shown in the film they don't they're not really willing to go into it too much like because in the tv show it's very clear they have working genitalia that you know will react and respond and be completely lifelike uh here that's what the people want here we just kind of assume it's true but i mean they never really give us much of an indication beyond just okay like he's with a prostitute yeah, we're going to cut away and they'll imply they've had sex. But we don't, you know, there's no uh, super indication of, like, how how realistic the whole thing is. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying it should be more raunchy by any means. I, I, I guess I'm just saying, like, a lot of things in the movie, it feels like... Because a lot of this movie really spends time giving exposition to how what the robots are, how the park works, and showing the little the little details, like... Uh, so the two guys are coming and he's asking about the guns and you know and later on he's like wait how how do I know I'm not going to shoot another guest rather than a robot? Pardon me. Uh, and he's like, well, there's a sensor and it'll they won't fire anything with you know a heat signature over a certain temperature, so it won't fire against another human. And it's like, oh, okay, they really did think of everything. I, I'd like to think that's the first thing they thought of is how do they not kill each other by accident? Uh, yeah. Top top or of the I priority how that list. Worked in like roman world and medieval world the swords. people use swords <laughs> um i guess that ties in because there's a snake at one point which is apparently designed to never actually bite and obviously in the movie it does bite and it tells the scientists there's something wrong but uh, i imagine it's like that because it's like just physical and melee it, they're just designed to never actually land a blow they're designed to always just miss or hit a shield or or hmm. whatever 
I would I would guess. Um, would you? Which world would you go to? Oh, at least three. Yeah. I don't know, actually. Um, are are none of them tempting to you, or is this like a movie of another time and it just doesn't translate anymore? Yeah, I want to be in space. I want a spaceship. <laughs> you want future world? Oh, that's the sequel. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want the future. I want. I want a futuristic say. <laughs> uh, um, out of these three, I mean, I've never really been into medieval stuff, so I guess that's kind of ruled out. I, I guess medieval it, makes me think of like the plague. <clears throat> like, I don't want to go there. It probably is Westworld, just because, just by uh, ruling out the other ones, because medieval's never appealed to me, and Roman like has fancier costumes and whatnot but um oh i would definitely pick war roman world yeah uh, i would just spend the whole day in like a roman bath it would just be a spa day <laughs> okay i never being fed like grapes and stuff yeah that would definitely be my pick okay yeah plus medieval like medieval definitely has the the least appealing, like, sort of living standard, I think. And the costumes are worse. Like, I would definitely, I would go with Roman. It'd be more comfortable. You can float. <laughs> you can eat float. a lot of fruit. <laughs> you can float. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair argument. Um, yeah, uh, the robots in the park, um, Probably some of my favorite stuff is when everything shuts down for the night and we see the scientists come in and pick up the you know all, all the dead bodies from the bank robbery and all the various things uh, and the dead horses. Right. And they're obviously not real. None of these things are real. They're just all the props, but they take them back in for maintenance. And they, and there's, just, there's an eerie feeling to like, okay, now there's like just like a truck pulling in and it's not of this time. It's not of the Westworld. It's something else. I think it's because... Um... A lot of the the early parts of the film, it's almost like our two leads have invaded a a Western movie, mm. and then when the when the world like shuts down and we see the people who are collecting all the dead bodies, and we see the control room, we're like, oh yeah, this is a sci-fi world, not a Western. Yeah, uh, and the yeah, because the control room stuff, because I. Not to get, like, negative, necessarily, but there are things about this movie that I don't think work that well. And I think part of it is that it is a really short movie. It's, like, 85 minutes. It is a, it's a short film. And not just to say that you can't have a short movie. You can, but I, I do feel like it spends a long time introducing everything, and then the actual plot of the movie takes place in the last, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> the last 25 minutes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. The best part of the film is Yul Brenner. Yes. Uh, and that, don't worry, I do really enjoy that last 20 minutes. Like, it is a really fun part of the film mm -hmm. uh, but it does feel a bit late on the actual meat of the, the the story uh not to say that it doesn't interest a lot of science fiction ideas that i mean we can sit here and talk about what certain things mean and talk about the morality of some of this stuff and um like what one of the things that's interesting that i don't know if it's, it's really brought up is the idea of like as having sex with one of these robots like should you feel guilty if you've you know if you've got a partner is that cheating should you feel guilty about that when you've got this like you know robot? it's almost brought up in this film almost but not quite like the, our lead character like says, "I think I should tell you," and then he sort of avoids the subject afterward. Well, no, he's not because and... he's not with someone. Because they make it clear earlier on in another scene that he's he's like divorced. Uh... Oh, okay, all right. I was thinking he was still married because he was talking about his kids also. <clears throat> yeah, no, I think he was about to tell. He's never like had like a one night stand or been with a prostitute. So he's like, hey, he, right. he's like, oh, you know, you know, we just met. 
<laughs> is what I mean. Like he's, he's trying to sort of say that. Right. I, I mean, I agree. I think we spend a lot of time in Westworld and watching these guys like go through bar fights and um, like escape from prison and all these like standard Western film things. And it's like, oh, isn't this a fun ride? But it would be really great if those scenes were more about the like, what does this mean about the people who who choose to rob the bank or the people who choose to sleep with the prostitutes or the people who choose to be the bad guy, which of course is what season one of Westworld is all about. Yeah. But, but I think you can still do that in a clean, like 95 to an hour and 20 minute movie. Like you could have really explored like the, the, the torment about like what it means for somebody to choose to do the bad thing I mean, that, because there's no consequences. If you, if you just extend this by like half an hour, just to give it more meat, for the for the characters i think mm-hmm. the characters are very very thin to me uh, it's just two guys who are there one of them has been there before you know james brolin's been there before uh the mustache guy hasn't <laughs> um and he's and th- there's the slit the slither of a character arc and the slither of the character actors is, is that mustache man our main character he is a bit more nervous and doesn't feel comfortable like picking fights he doesn't feel comfortable sleeping with prostitutes and he builds up a bit of confidence and eventually gets into the swing of it so then when the robots start attacking and start like losing control and yul brenner starts hunting him he, I, I you know he has a bit more courage so he's able to like sort of run and defend himself and mm-hmm. like that's kind of what you have for an arc is just him kind of it, it's almost like a really weak version of the sarah connor arc in some ways when you think about it yeah uh it's nowhere near as good it's just kind of it's just there a little bit uh and but the funny thing is, though, is that so much of it's like, and again, maybe this is because we do think about it more and we think about it from the show, which is, does go into this the psychosis of it. But like, I don't necessarily know if he should like loosen up and sleep with the robot prostitute. Like, is that morally the right thing to do? Like, his friends saying, "Hey, enjoy yourself, have sex with the the, the sex bot," you know? Yeah, I mean, well, there are there are like video games that make <clears throat> you do that as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a modern day context, like if you wanted to play a video game that says you can play it either way, like I am still that person who is compelled to make the right decision, even though it doesn't really matter because it's a video game. Mm -hmm. But like, there's something in me that says, I don't want to do the bad thing, but I'm going to do the nice thing. And I'll choose that route still, which maybe says something about me, but it doesn't really matter because it's a video game. But, you know, in the, in the TV show, what's brilliant about it, is at least you know definitely that first season if not the second season too is that it's it's mostly shot from the perspective of the robots so they are like the humans are the bad guys and the hosts are the good guys like you're, you're immediately sympathetic towards the robots so um and that you know shows says a lot about the people who are there to you know, take advantage of them or to, to shoot them or rape them or whatever. And we automatically see them as evil for doing those things. Oh, yeah, that's, that's one thing this movie doesn't even dare to touch is the idea that, and in, in the show, some of the guests, their fantasy is not just to have sex with prostitutes, their fantasy is to actually attack and rape people. So it goes right. way darker with it, obviously. The movie doesn't even touch that side of things. It's just, you know. Right. And I think that that is definitely a missed opportunity for this for this film. And maybe they weren't thinking about that because, you know, video games weren't a thing or um, maybe it was just like, what if the Pirates of the Caribbean came to life <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's it's a much more simpler premise. 
Or what if you were in a Western film and your runner was actually going to attack you? Um, what, how would you really react? And there's there's a little bit of that, like he's a city guy who's in this world that he's not used to and he has to survive all of a sudden. But I think it would be way more interesting if there were consequences to each individual choice he made, much like in a video game, like if you choose to be good or bad, like that, you know, affects the later gameplay in this in this world where he's basically in, living a video game life. He should be able to like we should see the consequences of his action and he should have like moments of self-reflection of like, well, on that, am I bad because I chose the bad decision? On that point, I think it's worth mentioning that Yul Brenner kind of fixates on keep coming after him, right? Even before he breaks down properly and starts really hurting him, he does like attack him a second time after the first interaction. But I think it's important that that first interaction is not caused by him. He doesn't do something to provoke the Yul Brenner robot. The Yul Brenner robot is actually scripted to come in and provoke him to give him like a bit of mm-hmm. excitement and sort of encourage a fight so he can shoot someone. So yeah. it's not even like our main character has to regret that he picked a fight with the robot and that's kind of his comeuppance is that the robot's going to keep coming after him. Yul Brenner picked the fight first and then just keeps coming back for revenge. So it yeah, never... Yeah, well, he's programmed to do that, right? yeah. like you said. So and it's even his friend who's like, hey... The mustache guy is like being provoked by James Brolin also, who's like, hey, this is your opportunity. You get to be the tough guy here if you choose to be. Like, go ahead and choose to be because it'll give you a confidence boost. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe you could argue there that uh, he provokes him into getting this confidence to becoming a bit more of a, like, oh, enjoy yourself and be violent and be careless. And then the comeuppance is the danger that he's in in the back half of the film. And that's why also James Brolin does get killed by Yul Brenner. Like, maybe that's something we we can say about the film. But again, it is quite thin, I think, compared to what they could be doing with these characters. Because, honestly, when it gets to the point where, okay, Yul Brenner shows up and the robots have actually started to, like, have this malfunction where they are hurting people. Once it gets to that point, I feel like everything we've done with the two main characters has... And this is very important as well. Is that after like the first like twenty five minutes, I feel like we cut away from them a lot. We spend a long time uh, with the scientists talking about the possible virus and talking about all these things. We spend time mm-hmm. building up a couple of character, another couple of guests in the uh, medieval world to to set up one of the robots there that goes bad. We spend so much time away from them, and I feel like all of what we get is what you described earlier. We see like almost a series of like almost just like skits where they're in different western scenarios but there's not really much of a through line going through them mm-hmm. not much like other than just the mustache guy is loosening up a little bit and getting less nervous that is the only thing but it's it's so slight that when the actual main plot and the main danger kicks off in the third act i don't really feel like i've gotten to know him or really care about him so mm-hmm. there was kind of a like oh i'm having fun in terms of the concepts and what it's doing but it definitely falls flat in terms of, oh, I care and I'm in the suspense of it and I'm really like rooting for the character. I'm hoping that he'll learn his lesson or he'll survive or, or anything like that. It's kind of devoid of that. So yeah, much like a lot of these 70s movies, it's like this weird like prototype of here's a lot of these great ideas and you can see the great <laughs> ideas and we've seen them done better since so we know they can be better. Uh... Yeah, I mean, even just if there was a little bit extra for the characters to do in this film, because it is very like 
we're just going to watch somebody go through an amusement park rather than they're like having an existential crisis about mm-hmm. like whether or not they're a good guy. And, and I mean, a little bit of that could have been, could have been there, you know, actually the character I enjoyed watching the most of this movie is the guy in the medieval world. Sure. <laughs> just because uh, he has, shorter scenes and they tend to be just more to the point there's yeah there's more in them (laughs) you know because because they're short and he's more insignificant yeah Um, because he he's basically uh you know one of the the female robots is like hey this you know the dark knight's coming and he wants to fight you for my honor tomorrow and he's like oh yeah i'll do that but he's also trying to seduce this younger this maiden is at one point as well and she rejects him and slaps him a couple of times and she's she's not supposed to do which she's not supposed to do she's supposed and again that's one of those things that's pointing at what the show really explores is the idea of this young female robot is supposed to be a sex bot and is supposed to give in to seduction whenever it happens and she slaps him and says you forget yourself sir and leaves and he's and he's not like and this is the thing he's not like evil or cruel about it he doesn't get up and get angry and like tries to hit her or demand she's like well i guess they went for the wrong program yeah he, 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 (laughs) Yeah. he, he just sort of sits there kind of surprised and is like Huh, I thought that was supposed to work. Oh well, I, I guess I'll go try another girl. Uh, but so he's he's not like it's not because in the show they definitely show us like monsters of people who, if they're rejected by one of the robots, will act out in the worst possible. Yeah, in like episode one. Yeah. So <laughs> it, you know it doesn't go down. So the, so the guy's actually quite likable, even though he's trying to have sex with her. He's because he he reacts well enough. He's just kind of like okay that was weird yeah his main thing was that like he wants to get with the with the queen who's like an age-appropriate you know still yeah. beautiful woman but like <laughs> you know it's it's a bit more likable just for yeah. that reason like his he's in this medieval world he's like a, a knight and he's like having an affair with the queen and, and she's that... like she's going to set up a jousting thing for the for the amusement of the people and for for him to defend his honor and, and maybe blah, blah, blah. it doesn't make that much of a difference really at the end of the day but i think it does make a little bit of a difference that he actually wants to fight for her and kind of win her affection <laughs> there's actually kind of like a fantasy of no i'm going to earn her love somehow in this yeah he's he's like really into the park <laughs> yeah. and like is is doing the the cliche thing but it, it's fun to watch like, and sure I, I enjoyed his story the most it, yeah sure it's still probably going to end with them having like nasty robot sex at the end if he gets his way <laughs> but still uh it's a little bit different to just the... but he's playing the game right yeah you know he, he knows why he's there did you did you enjoy uh, i mean unless, um, unless i was uh misrecognizing someone uh the runner of the brothel oh. Uh, Major Barrett, uh, <laughs> Miss Roddenberry herself, Star Trek royalty, um, the real queen in this film, yes. Or uh, Mama Troy, as I was uh, call- calling her when I saw her. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not an easy name, Luaxana Troy. No. Yeah. No. But uh, she's like, hey, you two, you, you, you're looking for a good time? There's a good time here. There's two young ladies. Yeah, she's the, she's the Maeve of the film. She is, yeah. Uh, she's the tandy newton but with character but without any like you know like character arc or progression or any, like she's no she's there to smoke she, and she doesn't even wear fuzzy things on her boobs and say hey you want to sleep with my ladies and she doesn't even it. like she doesn't even go bad it's not even like we see her going bad at the end when she kills like a john or something like that she's just she's, she, no. the film just kind of forgets about her after like her two scenes and that's kind of it right she's just there to yeah I don't know what she's there for to encourage the men to sleep with her women. And then I think you see her maybe in like the, the behind the scenes on a, on a girder or something. 
Mm. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, James Brolin kind of gets into character in the sense that all he ever really does is go, maybe, perhaps, <laughs> I just might. He's, he's just, he's like, he never commits to anything until someone just like offers something to him on a plate. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that, that's his thing. He's playing the, he's playing the Eastwood cowboy. The man with no name. Like, yeah, he a man of very little words. He definitely <laughs> saw those movies before he came here. He's he's definitely trying to be that. Uh, right. And how successful he's being is uh, up to your own uh, taste. Your male he's trying. Um, he's there to act confident so that his friend can have a good time. Yes. Um, did you enjoy the movie starting with like a news like advert for? There's like a little infomercial. For Dallas, no, nah. I think it's I think it's odd. It's, it's a bit weird. It's like, hey, you're just back from from Dallas. Uh, what oh, we were at Westworld. It was great. It was so lifelike. I shot a man. <laughs> were... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's kind of fun, but it's definitely not a thing that you would see in a modern day film for a reason. Yeah, it's a bit odd. It's, it's definitely odd. Plus, there's time. one guy that they interview, and then when he leaves, he's like, "Yep, <laughs> just go." <laughs> It was such an odd way to conclude the hey, is, the conversation. As someone who has had to interview people in the street as part of like doing stuff for university and like TV, production, maybe that is accurate. Yeah, yeah okay. there's a lot of people who will reluctantly, and I say reluctantly, I don't mean that you force people into it because most people will just say no because they're too scared to be on camera because people have this fear. Uh, but some people will actually agree to it, but then be just so awkward and like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just not know what to say. And then you'll fi- then you'll find that one charismatic asshole who's just too charismatic who's just like, oh yeah, I'll talk on camera and I'm so full of myself, I know I can talk. Uh, you'll find one of those. Um, and then you're like, I don't like you. Why can't yeah. I get somebody real and genuine <laughs> just for this one thirty second clip? Joseph, <laughs> uh, here's the slight male tangent of like doing because these are called vox pops. At least in UK media, they're called. This is like when you're watching the news and they'll like interview a bunch of people in the street about a subject. Mm-hmm. And it'll cut between them, right? So we did this quite a lot. We did send us out for Vox Pops. Um, and I remember there was one we did at Christmas. And we were just in like a, like, you know, the Christmas shopping season. And like people and, you know, are people like going out to the shops or are they buying stuff online? And we interviewed a bunch of people. And there was this one woman who was nice enough. She didn't say anything stupid or was awkward or anything. And, but I just remember someone like, like re-edited it to put a different question in before her answer. Um, because... Well, I would say I'll just give you what the answer was after it. So, someone put up on the screen, uh, "Why do you masturbate at home?" And then it cut to this woman, and she goes, "Well, the shops are just so busy this time of year." That's horrible. <laughs> and it's just—it's a lesson that anyone can make someone sound completely stupid with editing. <laughs> I just—that's not a threat, Tara. I want to be that clear. It's not a threat. I just. Uh-huh. It popped out of my head because we're talking about uh, awkward interviews. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. The only person I intentionally make look stupid at times is Connor. I don't have to try that hard, admittedly, but occasionally I'll do, I'll do a wee, a wee tinker. You're pretty hard on him. What? He's all right. What? No, 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 no. He's all right. No, 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 no. He's the worst. CR twenty one, and. His name's Conroe now, by the way. It's Conroe. Conroe? Conroe, yeah. How did that come about? Well, I put a tweet advertising something, 
and I just made a typo and put the R and the O the wrong way around, and he complained about it. So now I'm just calling him Conroe all the time to annoy him. Well, it sounds cool. So <laughs> jokes on you. Hey, if I Conroe. if I spoke your two last letters, your your name would just be Tar. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that, but Tira is alright. I like Tira. Tira. <laughs> Tira. It's like uh, I don't know. Actually. Which made, I always think of T-Rex, which leads me to a point I was going to make like five minutes ago. So, good segue back into the topic. Got it. So I'm here for <laughs> No. So, when I was talking about the structure, I was talking about how it feels like the plot doesn't really start until, like, the end of Act 2. You know, you get maybe 25 minutes left at most. Joe, is it, see if you compare it to Jurassic Park, which does have a very similar kind of premise in a lot of ways, because, yeah, it's people coming to a park, the robots slash dinosaurs escape become dangerous blah blah it's like if in jurassic park the dinosaurs didn't actually get out of their cages or out of their containment pods until like 20 minutes before the end could you imagine jurassic park if they were just riding around watching the the dinosaurs behind the the fences for like like over an hour (laughs) yeah this is definitely one of the complaints i have about the film is that um like i think Crichton is a great author like he's yeah. not the best like wordsmith or anything like that, but he's, you know, he writes fun science fiction books that are 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 very they're they're very good. Like they're you get into the scenario, you get into the characters. He's got a medical background, which I think makes him really good at writing death, which is a weird <laughs> thing to say, but like he has some of the best death scenes in any anything I've read read before, um, and. But, you know, just because you're good at writing books doesn't make you good at writing screenplays. So I think, you know, between this and Terminal Man, which has some really fantastic science science fiction ideas, I think he just missed a step in the screenwriting course where, you know, how, how to how to make a really good uh, character arc and three act structure and stuff like that. I think that's just missing from the film. Yeah, because that is notable. Jurassic Park. He didn't write the screenplay. He, you know, he he based on his book, but uh, someone else came in. Uh, it, what's funny? I think it's like David Cope, who's not even that good a writer, really. <laughs> but obviously, no. But he's working with a great premise. Right? Yeah, he's working uh, with a good premise, and he's got a director to turn it into gold. So he just has to. Mm-hmm. He just had to like pass it along. He just had a simple job of passing it from one medium to the other. I think famously, uh, Steven Spielberg like was friends with Michael Crichton and asked him what he was working on before he had even finished writing it. So like Spielberg, like said, I'm going to make this a movie before he had even finished the book. Mm. And Spielberg knows how to make a movie. (laughs) Why would you say something so controversial? (laughs) Right. I know. So controversial. Yeah. Cause that's what was sticking out to me when I was watching it this time is just like how, like much is jumping around still setting things up like so far into the movie and it's not a long movie like it'd be fine if it was two and a half hours long it taking an hour to get to that point would probably not be that bad but mm-hmm. um, it might feel like a slog don't get me wrong i'm not saying that it would necessarily sustain that length but from just looking at the what the runtime is the fact that we're still setting up just the basic uh because because the comparison to them talking about the virus and stuff i suppose is the is the uh, the Newman stuff. That's still like 45 minutes into the film. Yeah. And it's not a long movie. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost like if, if the Newman stuff in Jurassic Park, uh, that's his Seinfeld name, of course, uh, but if, like, Newman was still starting to, like, like latch his plan, like, he wasn't really, like, he didn't actually go to get the embryos until, like, much later, and he didn't really set everything mm-hmm. off until later, but there was a lot more teases of it happening, maybe. Um, and I, I don't want to be too harsh on it, because, obviously, it's inspired a lot of things, and we talked about how you know, we maybe wouldn't have Terminator without Westworld. We maybe wouldn't have Michael Myers and the, at least the inspiration for the performance of the character, the shape, without yeah. Yul Brenner. I so. mean, maybe we should bring that up. Like, um, uh, it's in the trivia on IMDb, but I've heard Arnold Schwarzenegger talk on Howard Stern specifically that he was, I mean, the reason he took the role of the Terminator was because he was inspired by Yul Brenner's performance in this film of being totally without emotion with that, with having just a program to like, I need to get revenge on this thing and being just this unstoppable force with only one thing in mind. And like, that's, that's why he took the role, even though it wasn't a hero's role. And uh, I guess also um, John Carpenter was inspired by Yul Brenner's performance to, for his um, writing of Michael Myers. And that character being an unstoppable force with basically cr- programmed to do one thing, which is kill this one person. Which is funny because Halloween and the Terminator are two films that I would give a 10 to and are two of my favorite films of all time. So both of them mm-hmm. being somewhat inspired by an element of this film uh, means that I, at the very least I have to respect its existence. I have to respect that it inspired others. I respect Neil Brenner, right? Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Are you pouring more gin? Is that more <laughs> blueberry juice? Okay. Uh, is it just blueberry juice? Uh, what's this bottle? What's, what's this second <laughs> bottle? <laughs> second bottle's out of the fridge. Hey, it's Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night's all right for fighting. Hey, no judgments. No judgments. <laughs> Get a little action here. Alright, alright. I don't I don't think that made any sense. Okay. <laughs> That's an Elton John song. Ah Sorry, my Elton John knowledge isn't uh what it, what it should be perhaps. Yeah, as a UK or yes. <laughs> as a UK. Um <laughs> I, 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 I excuse me, UK it Uh huh. Uh I, I I know Candle in the Wind, I know Can You Feel the Love Tonight and I know. Are you ready for love? That's the end of the song. That's about it. That's my Elton John. Oh, I, I guess he did Rocket but Man. But not Saturday Night. He did Rocket Man. I, I'm not familiar with Saturday Night. But let's be honest, Eleanor. Saturday Night's alright for fighting. I only, Get a little action in. I only really know Rocket Man, though, because of the two different films called Rocket Man. Which, one which was very relevant to Elton John, and one which was not relevant but did use that song at the end. But we did review. But we did review, yes. Out of the two Rocket Men films, we did review one. It was not the. Is that still in the top ten of most viewed? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. That makes me so happy. <laughs> you know what? I'll check for you Mister, right now. Mister, I'm so pissed off that we have to watch and review this movie. <laughs> I look. It made for a fun time. You complain about it. Look, sometimes I have to be my character, okay? And that makes well, for well. I mean, sometimes we just have to review a classic science fiction film like Rocket Man. Classic. The man farts in his spacesuit, and William Sadler is really upset about it. Classic science fiction film is how you describe 
1997's Rocket Man. Um, is Rocket Man in the top ten? I don't think it is. No, it's not quite in the top ten. Well, it was for a short period of time. Uh, it's number thirteen on the Ace hey, charts. That's pretty close. Number. 13. If we didn't do all those Terminator movies, it would be in the top ten. <laughs> oh, are you mad? We we had Terminator movies be successful. Why Terminator Three is the highest ranking one? I don't know, but whatever. Uh. Well, you did all that fancy editing for it. It was a little fancy. It wasn't that fancy. Uh, no one knows. You fancy. No one knows what to click on it though. But that one's going to have a little bit extra pizzazz. Maybe people think it's the actual movie. They probably. Do. It's actually longer than the actual movie. Believe it or not, uh, our review of Terminator Three is longer <laughs> than Terminator Three. Because that's whatever gets the views. That's how much of a mess it is. Like you, you know when a bad movie, a- and it happens. It's, it's equally about good movies too, though. See if we are passionate about a movie enough to talk about it more mm-hmm. than the runtime of the movie, good or bad. It says a lot about how much there is to talk about if we exceed the what runtime. About King of the Monsters. Although I guess that is ten minutes shorter than the movie because we've been like two hours on that. Yes, I think it's a two hour and ten minute movie. Yes. Um, All right, it doesn't count. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, apparently the runtime is 1 hour and 56 minutes or something like that, so it's a bit sad. Not long enough. <laughs> you want more? <laughs> more. Straight to the veins. <laughs> Let them fight. More. Let them fight. <laughs> we don't get Surizawa. <laughs> no, we don't. We won't say it. And we know he loves saying that line because of King of the Monsters. I mean, I don't even know who they could get a sub. Who, who could... Maybe Millie Bobby Brown, she's back. She, she'll step in and be like, let them fight. Oh. <laughs> hey, if she gets her 11 powers and joins the fight, that could be fun. I didn't watch that show. I mean, I watched season one. That's not true. I watched season one, but I didn't really like that much. That's a shame. I know. I'm a weirdo. That's a shame. <laughs> I, I just did you know. That's a shame. Uh, I'm sure it's great. That's a shit. But hey, whatever. Back to Westworld. Back to Westworld. Um, so we should talk about Yul Brenner because he is really good in this film. I think he's the best part for sure. Yeah, he probably is the best part, and I think all the things surrounding his character as well. Because we get again another inspiration for Terminator, perhaps, is the POV shot. Now, uh, I remember making this point the last time I talked about it, but it does kind of crack me up a little bit. Is that? It's so pixelated, these pixels uh, of of yeah. his POV, that it's almost incon- it's, all, it's almost like incomprehensible what it actually is when you see it. If you had no concept of what this was, see, see for us, for us in present day, we see pixels and we go computery, right? Because we know what pixels are. But do you think an yeah. audience in 1973 go to see this in the theater? knew what a pixel was or knew what a pixelated image looked like or what that meant no but just see like <laughs> from the pov of a robot like that i think that is pretty interesting like in that at that time you know because can i just say i want to congratulate both of us right now i think we both deserve a medal because we have not once slipped up and called them hosts yet in this review <laughs> i brought up hosts but only when i was talking about what about the show yes yes yeah uh I remember that, but no, I, I remember that, but I the last time I talked about this, where I, I just kept calling them hosts because I just I couldn't get away from it. <laughs> They're hosts. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a shame Westworld's not as good as it was in season I one, know. huh? 
I know. And the, the, the sad part is, is that there was a midpoint in season three that I really liked, and then the last like three episodes shat it all away. I would say the, I would say the first half of season three was excellent, and then I don't know why I just like stopped watching. It. <laughs> I I will watch it though because I will watch season four. It's kind of season four. Maybe season four will be better. I hope it is. But yeah, hopefully. Um. Yeah, now Yobran's great. Uh, the, you know, the, like he he because he, he genuinely hunts down. He kills James Brolin and he hunts down the Mustache Man, and it becomes yeah, what's his name? It becomes a a chase through the uh, the canyons. Uh, does the the techie? His name's uh, his name's Peter actually. <laughs> the character. Oh, Peter. Peter. Yeah. P- Peter Martin. Richard Benjamin. Apparently, he's a director as well. Oh, I see. But I don't know anything he's directed. Hmm. Peter Martin. Um, oh, he's directed quite a bit of stuff, actually. He's got like 22 directing credits. It's quite really notable. He's got a great 70s look. Like, he's got the long mustache, mm-hmm. big eyes. He kind of reminds me of the guy from uh, Duel, whose name <laughs> I forgot. Oh, uh, uh, Duel, yeah. Um, Yes, that's a great movie. That's a fantastic film. It's a great movie. Nine out of ten. Great movie. That's we'll it. never review it on this sh- no show, so I'm just gonna give you right now. <laughs> Nine out of ten. I gave it a solid day, but I really, really liked it. Really, really liked yeah. it. Uh, it was nice because, like, I, I kind of thought I'd seen all the good Spielberg movies because I didn't really like a lot of his more recent output. Um, you know, but you know, seventies to nineties Spielberg is kind of your your sweet spot of Spielberg. I, I imagine as a fan of like peak Spielberg to see like something that you enjoy from his history would be like a real treat. You yeah, know? something new. It's just, it's the same like going back and like discovering other like like if there's just that one lost film from a director that I love, but I never got around to that that one from his golden era. It's like yeah, yeah. it's exciting. Well, Duel is an interesting one because it's um, it's it's a TV film, so it would be easy to miss. Or like it'd be easy to be to discount it. Like, well, that was a made-for-TV movie. It's probably not like peak Spielberg, but it is really part of his. I would I would say it's the beginning of his like peak. I li- I like it more than you know several. Dennis Weaver, by the way, is the several of his other <laughs> he films. Has a, this guy Peter in the film has a Dennis Weaver vibe to me. I'll be honest. Uh, you think I would notice that the main character's name is the same as mine, but I don't think I ever caught that his name was Peter the entire time. <laughs> I don't think I did either. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, so, uh, I mean, honestly, the best sequences of the film are right at the very end. Cause it, so there's a, there's a section where he encounters a technician in the park who is scared of Peter at first because he thinks he might be a, a robot. And Peter... Pr- he says, let me see your hands. Yeah, he proves he's not. But then Yul Brenner kills the technician, so he goes running, and he ends up in Roman world, but it leads him into the tunnels, or the service tunnels, where all of the repairs are done, the science labs, and some of my favorite- These are, like, really simple sets, by the way. They're mm-hmm. just hallways with different color lights in them, but they remind me of, like, classic Twilight Zone, which, is you know, we're reviewing right now. They remind me, like, the, the sets are so simple that they remind me of that, and it does- put me back in that world like oh yeah this is a science fiction movie we're watching yeah it's, it's kind of sometimes it's like sometimes when you look at stuff from this era uh sometimes stuff's a little too simplistic and it feels a little almost quaint 
by today's mm-hmm. standards and doesn't feel very realistic. And then sometimes it kind of adds to the otherworldness of it. Um, I would say this is kind of like somewhere in the middle where, depending on the location, it feels a little bit too... Like, because this, this hallway where they're, they're working, um, I think the hallway is too simple. That said, though, I do love that it's a long hallway because one of my favorite moments in the film is Yul Brenner walking down this hallway and mm-hmm. Peter's like hiding on one of these, pretending to be one of the robots on the on the stretcher. And Yul Brenner stops and turns, and this is when he, he you know he hits him in the face it, with the acid. It's such a it's such a contrast between the the Western open world that we get on the outside, you know. And it's also it's, it's interesting that Yul Brenner never even he's never phased by the fact that he's now not in a Western world. He, like, he doesn't yeah. care that he's walking through a Roman world. He doesn't care that he's walking in like a lab that's like you know by his standards futuristic. Uh, obviously, he has one objective which is to catch up to this human guy that he can murder yeah um and it becomes almost a little predator where the way to like get around them is to like disguise yourself next to heat yeah actually i was thinking that when we were talking about the pov i was thinking of predator because they mentioned in the film that the robots get a upgrade of infrared or some sort of upgrade to their infrared if they already had it so, like, when we get his POV, it is a little bit infrared. I also, like, he's able to yeah, I also, detect heat. Yeah, yeah. They definitely mentioned thermal. I think that was the word they used specifically. I mean, obviously, we know it was infrared, but I think he actually said, like, thermal, like, sensors, mm-hmm. I think is what he called it. Uh, but, yeah. So, yeah, because uh, Peter ends up, like, hiding next to, like, a, like a, a torch, because that, that sort of disguises where he's standing. Um, and... Yeah, that's that's good fun. Um, like all, all this, like it's just like fifteen minutes at the end, but all this chase stuff is quite enjoyable. Uh, and there is some horrific stuff where even after he's set on fire, Yul Brenner shows up all melted and charred. And all he really does is fall over. But it is kind of that that slasher movie villain, like one last jump scare of like, oh, he was still mm-hmm. coming for you that one last time. Uh, and the movie just kind of ends with Peter sitting there contemplating life as we hear the the advert from the start go. Come to Westworld, come to Delos for a vacation you'll never forget. And then it just goes to credits. Um with the really upbeat like guitar, like Western music, which I thought was <laughs> I, I guess they're going for an ironic thing. But I enjoy it. I mean the the opening is that too. It has that like bluegrass music, but I'm a sucker for bluegrass. I do have a question that I would like to raise about the process of this park. So when the 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 guy in medieval world tries to come on to the the young the young maiden and she rejects him we actually cut to the control room and the scientist does like that's strange she's not supposed to reject him and they've got like a shot of like them like you know just their faces as they're trying to kiss so he's trying to kiss her and i'm like wait a minute so if they if they did go on to have sex right there are they recording and watching everything in the park i had that very same thought like are they watching every single individual who's in the park because at that moment it's not just like okay clearly these two people are going to have sex or at least he's trying for that and but he's also listening to everything that she is saying so like uh when when that same guy is talking to the queen and she's talking about the Black Knight, they're like changing the programming of the Black Knight for the previous or for the next day so that it reflects exactly what she talked about the day before. So they have to keep monitoring like all the people as they're talking to the the robots so that they can alter their programming for the next day so that it reflects what they want 
So yeah, like they are always monitoring, right? It so raises some... they're watching them when they do dirty things, just be just in case the I don't want to say host because we've gone so far without saying host. <laughs> um, yes. Just so the robots. And it's getting tougher will... as we go because as we get more and more gins and juices into this podcast. Uh, How dare you say gin? And <laughs> it's getting tougher and tougher for Tari to keep her keep her no host clause in place. <laughs> Well, I enjoy saying the word robot. So. <laughs> That's helping. Yes. <laughs> That's helping. It does help. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it raises so many privacy issues. And, that, and that's actually another big theme in the show is what is Delos doing with all this data? And that's like a big theme in the show, especially. Well, that's the theme two. of the show, yeah. but not the theme in the movie. And it should be. Yeah. But again, that, that's it why really there is like some credit, I think, to the showmakers because they clearly looked at this movie like we have done here and have saying there's all these things you could do with this premise. And they, they, you know, they've explored a lot of that um so yeah that, that's 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 one compliment to them and it's not like it's not introduced in this in this movie like there are clearly themes that you can draw from just that scene and say we should really expand on that in even this film and you know make that a, a big plot of the film so that we can you know so that we can fill more time and that all that time that we feel has the meaning to it but they don't <laughs> I, I say they i mean michael crichton because he is the writer and director I mean, obviously he doesn't explore that the show goes way further into like sort of like okay all the data it's essentially like what companies do now with like collecting your ad and your your browsing data and stuff right but even if it was just as simple as oh there's like one dodgy like employee who like records all this and like sells like dirty sex tapes of like ah here's all these famous people who have came to Delos here's all their sex tapes like that yeah. that would totally be happening so like that's you know something like that even yeah. just to say blackmail yeah. is definitely part of what's going on here like there's so much that could be explored like if if Crichton like took a day. And just like, okay, what are what are the big things that could be drawn from these like big themes? And he, he could have had a much better film. <laughs> if he just took a day, just one day. <laughs> yeah, just one day, maybe like a ba a brainstorming group. <laughs> and just said, Okay, what what can we draw from the what's already here? And uh, but they didn't do that. And so it's we don't we don't get those ideas. Has... We get them in the show, and I think the show is really is really good at, at developing those. Um, maybe not great at the execution, although there are some great episodes in all three seasons. Oh, there are, there are, there are for sure. <laughs> um, the direction we should talk about Crichton's direction because I think it's mostly fine, if a little bit plain. There are one or two moments, like I say, the chase itself at the end I is think, pretty good. I think plain is a really good descriptive word of his direction, actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's plain. It's just a lot of wide shots. It's, it's plain. It's, you know, there's not a lot to it. Uh, there's not really fancy staging. Like the fighting, like you know, there's, we mentioned the uh, the character in Medieval World who sets up this duel with the Black Knight. But then, of course, when the duel happens, the Black Knight actually kills him and stabs him repeatedly. But there's a long sword fight that happens before we get to that point, and it's honestly just not that exciting. It's kind of shit. It's just kind of boring. No, it's just <laughs> slam, 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 stab. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, it, it is still like oh he got stabbed but i was expecting it <laughs> yeah like 
I mean, obviously, fighting choreography is not there too. That's another element. But like, even just the direction isn't that interesting. There's one or two moments. There, there is one scene that I like uh, where the camera sort of like pans over in the control room, and you see Yul Brenner walking on the security monitor, and then it transitions to him actually walking around. I like that. There's, there's mm-hmm. little touches like that here or there that are not bad, but. Uh, for the most part, yeah. I go back to plain. It's a very plain feeling film in terms of like its visual style and atmosphere. Yeah, which is which is why I think when all the lights go off and the technicians come in and start picking up dead bodies, it's one of the few times in the film I get atmosphere where I'm like, oh, I'm getting like an eerie feeling about this. Right, and I wish it. I wish it did more of that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we get obviously in the show because the show is centered around the the host, the robots, rather than the people who are attending the park. So we get more of the perspective of because we're getting the perspective of them. We're focusing on them. We get like the the reset that happens every night or whenever there's a story reset. Um, so we get to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, but in the film, we only get a little glimpse of it. And I wish we got more of it because that is the real sci-fi. Whenever we don't have that, we're just in a Western film, which is okay, you know, because it, it's dealing more with like Western cliches is not really as exciting as um, like the sci-fi elements of the of the film if we got more of those. Yeah, even the, the yeah. idea of the branch and stories could have been more explored because there's, a, there's a, a section of the film when Yul Brenner shows up the second time and uh, Peter jumps in and shoots him like, out the window or whatever because like, it's in the mm-hmm. hotel at this point. Um, He goes to jail, right? And he's throwing the cell and I was like, this is a bit shit for his vacation if he's spending the rest of it in a jail cell. But then, obviously, uh, Brolin breaks him out by like you know blowing up the wall and I'm like, you know what? I would love if it went into this a little bit more and the idea that no, the whole point of this, it's almost like a game of D&D, is trying to provoke the players mm-hmm. into how do I get out of this situation? How how do we do a Western-style thing to get out of jail? Yeah. And that's kind of fun. So I almost wish it... it and it's not that it has to do everything we've said, but if it, it would see if it picked one one of these things and really said, no, we're going to explore this like in full. In no, depth. I agree. Actually, there was a scene when they were, I think in the train on the way in there, when they were talking about the realism of everything, and it was like, well, who would want to do that? Like, who would want to be in a world that was just that realistic? It wouldn't be a game anymore. But we got Red Dead Redemption 2, which was very much like, this game is very accurate. <laughs> like, it is it is so detailed to the point where it is almost too realistic to for people to enjoy it anymore. And, but there is a demand for that. Like people do enjoy being in the world that is so realistic that it presents new types of challenges that they they don't get in traditional games. Yeah, there's a line for everyone. Like for some people, it goes too far. And it's like, no, like, just, can I just be fun? I don't I have to do all this stuff. <laughs> but then for other people, it's, no, no, the they're, they're more realistic and the more like grimy and like, like painstaking it is to get to yes. a point, the better, you know, like. And I will say, I am pro Red Dead Redemption 2. I've played that game twice. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I've not tried it myself, so no comment. Mm. No comment. Well, I'm pro Red Dead 2. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Which helps me with the viewing of the film, honestly, because it's like, okay, I can see why there's an appeal for this, like for mm. the realism. Because the realism in the game was also an appeal for me. Yeah. I mean, I do appreciate that Yul Brenner coming after them in the 
the the hotel is all, all kind of a sign of the glitch he's starting because he's not really supposed to be hunting him down again because he you know as far as the character you know that that robot story is concerned he was killed yeah, in the storyline yeah so he shouldn't really yeah. be fixated on him so that's the first sign that there's something wrong is that he's fixated on him still and then of course eventually the third time he comes is when everything's went wrong and now he's starting to kill people uh, it's also worth mentioning. I like, I like when he shows up the third time and like both of our lead guys like kind of roll their eyes yeah. like oh, we have to deal with this character yeah. again. Yeah, it's just when they're just a little too arrogant and think there's no danger is exactly when the danger <laughs> strikes. Uh, but he, uh, so, so one of the things also worth mentioning is that when the robots do all go haywire, uh, a lot of the scientists and technicians get trapped in like the main control room which suffocates them because <laughs> it's goes into like emergency <laughs> shutdown. So they are, they they like die, which yeah I was curious about that actually when it, uh, when I was watching the film I I wasn't sure if everyone died because of something like that or because they were killed by like a stray mm. robot yeah I, I think that's what it implies I think it implies that most of them suffocate in that main room uh, and then some stragglers like the one we see Little Brenner kill just get killed you know there right um, okay. Yeah, that's about it though. I think we've covered most of the the main topics. I think so too. Uh, So I I guess I will ask uh, the lady of the show what she would rate Westworld. Um, I do I do enjoy watching the film. Um, I think it it, I think it has that seventies. I mean, it's become a cliche for our show at this point. (laughs) It's just that it's it's this really great like ideas and original original premises that get expanded upon later and better. But it is fun to see where they start from. And I am a fan of Crichton of his writing, um, not so much his directing, but his but he is a good storyteller. And I think um Although they don't, they don't translate so well to film or to script. Um, I think, I think it is still enjoyable, and um, much like a lot of the '70s films we watch, I'm just going to get this a straight seven for <laughs> the premise, for the ideas, for the science fiction elements of it, but not so much for the execution. So, seven. Yeah, I think I'm just going to come back on one of those points, which is. It's important as a piece of science fiction history more than it is actually an enjoyable science fiction film to watch. And, you know, I've seen it a few times now and, like, it's not like, it's not really grown on me between viewings. It's kind of, I feel the same way about it. It's not went down either, admittedly, but I've, I've felt the exact same every time I've watched it, which is good ideas, don't necessarily... I'm not super into a lot of it, though. I never really feel anything for the characters. I get really emotionally invested. So, uh, I think I, and I'm going to go and nudge Lauren say six point five, uh, just because I wish I cared more. I wish I cared more about what was going on. But yeah, if they did a little bit more with the with the characters in the film, like the main characters, yeah, I think, or at least our main character, Peter, it would have been like an eight. Maybe even a nine if they really explore things, but they didn't. Yes. So I'm going with seven for premise and world building and ideas and concepts. But um, 
that's all I'm going to give it. Yeah. Cool. Seven, six point five from you. Oh, from you. Yes. Oh yeah, hello. I'm over here. <laughs> uh, so... I drank too much this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, most people when they try that when they're sober don't get it right because it's hard to tell with the the flip cameras and and whatnot. I know. It's a mirror for me. Yes. So hey, my, this is the mole side of my face. Is normally on this side, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you can, of course, put the, the keyword of the, the episode in the comments uh, if you made it this far into the episode. I think with this one, we'll go with Delos, I guess? Delos? I like it. D-E-L-O-S. Delos, the name of the company that runs the whole place. Yeah. Oh, a super exciting one, but it, it, nothing stuck out to me otherwise. Uh, Tara's going to pose for the thumbnail uh, here. <laughs> So here we go. Three, two, one. Pause. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Um. Now, would you like the ten out of ten IMDb user reviews or the one out of ten IMDb user reviews for this one? Ten. Right with tens. All right. Let's go with the people who really love it. Let's go with the tens. There are twenty-four ten out of tens. That's not about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and what a chilling world it is, is the title of one of them. Uh, great film, very original, inspired many films in the future. Well, which we talked about, so, you know, very right. Um, <laughs> they don't movie make movies like this anymore. No, th- they're often better. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a harsh thing to say, but Terminator's better. Halloween's better. <laughs> yeah, but they were all inspired by the King of Siam. Hmm. Uh, hardcore storytelling? I don't know if I agree with that. I would say it's actually kind of the opposite. I'd say that there's this world building and ideas, but the storytelling is maybe right. the thing that's lacking. But hey, I, I would 100% agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So, no. Oh. The Ultimate Fighting Championship Man versus Robot. Wait, what? The UFC man? Was the, was the, was the actor slash director also a, an MMA fighter before that term existed? Is that, is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get anything super, super like witty coming out of these 10 out of 10s um about one out of 10 what about the one out of 10s all right let's see what the one out of 10s is saying there's two one out of 10 reviews well that's not that many the title of the first one is camp boring dated well i mean i don't disagree with any of those honestly <laughs> well boring it's not boring Boring's a bit harsh uh, i would say boring's yeah. a bit harsh uh, two guys visit an amusement park full of lifelike robots. I won't read the whole thing. The other one's uh, titled, I think I'm going to be sick. I kind of want to read this one to see why. Really? Just to see why they're going to be sick. I'm just curious. This movie is going to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. This was a unanimous decision between my friends as we watched it the other night on ITV1. Oh, this is a British person. That's a UK channel. Ooh, ITV is also Canadian. Oh, is it? 
Oh. Yep. I did not know that. Canada is very British. So that that is there a connection between the ITVs, or is it just a coincidence they both have like an ITV? Maybe ITV was uh, where we had all like the kids shows and like young adult shows. So like I remember watching ITV for like Chippendales Rescue Rangers and also mm. Are You Afraid of the Dark. Well, there there was like a kids ITV. section on it called uh, CITV, but I okay ITV was yeah. like daytime television for kids. Yes. Uh, uh, where do I begin? Poor character development, weak plot, un- 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 uninformative dialogue, poor cinematography. The list goes on. Uh, Richard Benjamin's solid performance was the only positive to come out of this rubbish. Is that the um? The def- is that Peter? I, I think so. That- that's definitely a British person. There- there's too many. Th- okay. There's too many things. First here. of all, I would agree with most of those except for the the last thing. I think Gil Brenner is the yes. performance that you remember from this movie. So much so that it inspired Michael Myers and the Terminator. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's more there as well. That that, that review came from uh, uh, Co- Combi's Rock 9? Well, Combi's oh. Rock 9, sorry, but you were misinformed about... <laughs> Um, Mr. Peter, and you should have been more aware of your Brenner, the gunslinger. I think it's good, good we're wrapping this up right about now, because I think Tara's uh, <laughs> on our last legs. Uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have drank so much. <laughs> it's Saturday night, and um, I'm done. You don't have to justify it. We're, we're I'm going to have a night of... Animal Crossing, and until I pass out. We'll wrap it up. We don't feel bad. Uh, I will take this time, though, to thank our Patreon producers for the month of March. So, thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Born Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers, so thank you very much. That means they are $20 or more. At where, Tara? Said I, I begged, I pleaded. <laughs> that was not begged or pleaded. <laughs> that was that was that was mailed request. Please don't make me do it. <laughs> okay, I'll accept the begging. All right, you could. Uh, that means there are twenty dollars and more at patreoncom slash TV where you can go and support us for as little as one dollar per month, which will get you access to an exclusive bonus episode every month, as well as all the past bonus episodes, of course. So if you one dollar, you'll get access to the past like twenty or so episodes that are there uh, as extras. Uh, plus, uh, because Tim is on paternity leave right now, uh, we've also been doing extra bonus episodes to cover for the fact that there's no streams after midnight bonus episodes, so we've been doing some action movies as well, monthly, uh, me and Tara have, so, uh, go check out that. Plus, at the $5 tier, you get early access to the episodes, and there's also the voting at that tier, and there's other stuff as well, so, uh, go and have a look and see if you're interested in all that stuff. You can also support us by simply hitting the like button for completely, absolutely, 100% free and it's important on YouTube to do so because it really helps with spreading the show to more people. And of course, if you want to spread the show to more people yourself via social media or word of mouth or, I don't know, just kidnap a relative and tie them to a chair and say, hey, you need to watch this mediocre podcast. Do it. No. Uh, <laughs> you can do that too. I I approve. Can- Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> If anything, you're trying to react to everything I was saying with really, really, ex- you know, over-the-top facial expressions made the whole thing worth it, quite frankly. 
the audio listeners were missing out on a extra element of the the outro tonight. <laughs> um, so that <laughs> that's that. You can get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. So please do. Uh, coming next time on the show, uh, due to a request by Tara, <laughs> uh, we will be looking at Ender's Game. Uh, oh right i forgot <laughs> we had an empty slot and i said tara is there anything you want to do because we, we have like one empty slot before there's a bunch of other stuff we have to get to and mm-hmm. she's like ender's game i want to do ender's game i've never watched ender's game but i've read the book and i'm very excited to see the film i saw it in theaters believe it or not oh really with Haley steinfeld and uh harrison uh, ford and as a butterfield as a Asa Is he not for anything else? He's been in other stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he's been in other stuff. Okay. I, I, the only reason why I know his name is because he's definitely been in something else. Okay, well, god damn, I drank too much this episode. I'm officially sober after yes, tonight. Uh, he was in Hugo, which I really enjoyed. As a Butterfield was in Hugo, which I very much enjoyed. I heard that was good. Yes. I should watch it one day. It's actually my second favorite Scorsese film, which I know is an oddball pick for most people, but I love it. Okay, what's number one? Is it Wolf of Wall Street or The Goodfellas? Neither. <laughs> what? Uh, he made a. F- okay, we'll we'll have a discussion after <laughs> we, we're done here. Alright. That has been Westworld. So thank you very much once again for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time in the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Keep watching science fiction and computer. That's awesome. Uh.